do you think I'm referring to when I mention these phrases? Man is a meat axe. A sandwich short of a picnic. The lights are on, but no one is home. Now, none of you husbands or wives can, don't nudge each other during this list. <laughs> Otherwise, they might be trouble at home. Not playing with a full deck. Lost their marbles. Nutty as a fruitcake. Start raving mad out of his mind. These phrases are to do with what? What are we talking about here? Did I hear the word politicians? <laughs> no. No. <laughs> Sorry. There are no politicians here. <laughs> no, we're talking about sanity, aren't we? Or, or lack of sanity. And some of those expressions are quite mild. I think we all have an aunt who's nutty as a fruitcake. And we don't mean that in a nasty way. We mean that in an eccentric, lovely way. Uh, some of those phrases are a lot harsher, aren't they? Yeah, avoid that person, he's stark, raving mad. Now, one of these phrases is applied to Jesus. One of these was applied to Jesus by his family, by his mother and his brothers. Which one? Wow. We're going to dig into the Bible and explore which one of those phrases Jesus' parents labelled him with. So I think we better pray before we dig deep. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for a chance to open up your word. And as we do, we pray that your spirit will unstop our deaf ears and soften our hard hearts, that we may see Jesus in all his wonder and glory in a fresh and new way. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Now we're going to be in Mark's Gospel, so if you've got a Bible, either um, one with pages or one with a screen, I encourage you to turn to Mark chapter 3, and we're going to be around verse, verse 7 as we start. Now Jesus' ministry has really just started to kick off, and even though it's early days, you'll see that the crowds are flocking after him. And so we see this in uh, Mark chapter 3 from verse 7. Jesus withdrew with his crowds to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard about all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Edomera, and the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Well, see, it was getting difficult for Jesus to move around in public because of the crowds. And this came to his family's attention. And we pick this up a few verses later in verse 20 of Mark chapter 3, verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of it, for they said, he is out of his mind. Now, if we skip down to verse 31, we'll see that it was Jesus' mother and his brothers that were at the door. And so it was they that were saying, Jesus, you're out of your mind. Jesus, you're a sandwich, sort of a picnic. Or maybe they didn't go that far. But Jesus, you are out of his mind. You know, this accusation still has bite today the claim that Jesus was out of his mind, that he was crazy. Well, this is one way that through the ages, many have dismissed 
Jesus by saying, well, he was crazy. He was out of his mind. He was well-meaning. He even did some good. But anyone who claims to be God has to be out of his mind. And so, is Jesus crazy? Is he? Well, that's what we're going to explore. And you'll see that there are two answers. And these are the two answers. Is Jesus crazy? Is he out of his mind? Of course he isn't. Of course he's not. Is Jesus crazy? Of course he is. Is Jesus crazy? No, he's not. Is Jesus crazy? Yes, he is. Now, before you think I'm half crazy, before you think I'm a sandwich short of a picnic or not playing with a full deck, just bear with me as we open up God's word and as we explore Jesus' sanity. Is Jesus crazy? Of course he's not. And you see, it all comes down to definition, definition doesn't it? In the, in the English language, crazy has a, a number of meanings. And one of those meanings is clinically insane. Mad. Deranged. Is Jesus clinically insane? Well, of course he's not. And we look at two areas. History and experience that explain to us that Jesus was not insane. Firstly of all, history. And history tells us Jesus is not crazy. How does it do this? Well, simply put, a crazy man or woman has never had a positive long-lasting impact on history as Jesus. So let's think of some relatively recent insane leaders. Hitler, Paul Put. We won't mention any New Zealanders one, thank you. Well, look, I think there's general agreement that Hitler was insane, and same with Pol Pot in Cambodia. Now, we can easily argue, like you said, that they're crazy, but they have not had the impact on history that Jesus has had. They have not had a positive impact on history and they haven't had a long lasting impact on history. They're clinically insane but really even now if you ask our younger folk they won't know who those people are. See 2,000 years later we're still talking about Jesus as if he's alive because we believe he is. 2,000 years later there are over a billion Christians how many followers of Hitler and Pol Pot are there? And we're not even 100 years later. And in 2,000 years, will people even remember Pol Pot or Hitler? Whereas by God's grace, if he hasn't returned in 2,000 years, there will still be many, many people following Jesus. And so history very clearly declares that Jesus could never have been insane because there, has, there have been insane leaders, both religious and political, but their impact has not been positive and it has not been long-lasting. So is Jesus crazy? Of course not. History demands that Jesus had his full sanity. Well, what about experience? What about experience? Let me ask you this. If we line up the Jesus we meet in the gospel with our experience with the clinically insane, how similar are they? For instance, if you were to ask an insane person who claims to be God to write a couple of pages and you compare what that person's written with the Sermon on the Mount, how would they compare? If you talk to someone who claims to be God and listen to them, and then you went to your Bible, and if you've got a red letter edition, you can very easily see the words of Jesus in red letters. 
If you compare that conversation for what you can see Jesus saying, is Jesus clinically insane? I had the opportunity to test this out one day uh, when I was training. And, our, and incidentally, my training crossed over with Ian and Ali Dixon and our children you know, played together. And so it's been lovely to renew that conversation and that, that friendship with Ian and Ali. But as we um, trained, I, part of my training was to be a volunteer chaplain at a mental health drop-in centre. When I was in the drop-in centre, it worked like this. Clients, mental health folk in the community were free to come in and for a, they'd get a free hot drink and for a gold coin they would get a hot meal. And uh, most of the folk were living in halfway homes, either just coming out of an institution and some were just going back into an institution. And so they were certainly colourful characters. Now one day I started chatting to a new visitor who quickly made the claim to be God. Not a lesser deity, but his claim was to be the Almighty. So I thought, well, this is going to be interesting. And as we chatted, uh, you could see he had a sincere, unshakable conviction that he was omnipotent, all-powerful, and all-knowing, <laughs> and, and all, the, all those attributes. However, the conversation wasn't really a conversation, it was really a monologue in which I was expected to listen. And in this monologue, in a very rambly sort of way, I had the feeling that everyone who tried to talk him out of being God, he was sort of answering their logic before I could bring it. Now, it wasn't my job to talk him out of being God. I was just interested to, to, to take the opportunity to learn from him. However, after about an hour, not even, not even that, I was exhausted. <laughs> because there was no thread of logic. You know what I mean? And, and there was no, obviously, backing up of claims. Now we compare his words to the Bible. So I went home last that night and read some of the words of Jesus, and it's obvious that the man in the drop-in centre was clinically insane, you know, claiming to be God, rambling, whereas Jesus' words are not. As an aside, uh, we did make progress with the young man. In a weird break in his monologue, when I could get a word in, I said to him, it must be lonely being God. Yeah, interesting, isn't it? Because I knew that many folk in mental health, especially with severe mental health, have not the ability to sustain healthy, life-giving relationships, and so they are desperately lonely, which only compounds, of course, their condition. And, you know, just for, well, it would have been 20 seconds, maybe half a minute, his body language changed and there was some coherent words of openness before the God mode clicked back in. Had a chat to the, to the manager, the supervisor, and she got hold of his, the person that was looking after him, and the next time he came into the drop-in centre, he was a lot less God. He was still slightly omnipotent in his mind, but he was a lot less God. My point is this, if you've had the slightest involvement with the clinically insane with anyone who made the claims that Jesus claimed, who claimed to be God, you know that Jesus is not out of his mind. So in response to the question, is Jesus crazy? History and experience can 100% rule out that Jesus was clinically insane. But what about the second aspect of this question? Is Jesus crazy? Of course he is. And again, it comes down to definition. 
because the English word for crazy has a whole range of meanings, including someone who breaks convention. Someone who breaks convention in such a way that we scratch our heads and wonder whether that person is sane. So let me give you an example. I'm sure most of you know about this Kiwi icon. You've heard of him before, and in his early days, like me, you would have labelled him as crazy. And this man is A.J. Hackett. Hands up if you think he's crazy. <laughs> I think he's crazy. <laughs> now, A.J. Hackett came to fame for most of us in 1986 when he scaled the Auckland Harbour Bridge illegally and had some friends, you may remember this, and had some friends underneath, and then he jumped. And he was lucky because there were some very friendly policemen who picked him up in the launch. He's on the far right with a very dopey grin on his face. And so he shot to New Zealand fame, didn't he? And I, was, I for one, thought he was crazy. Close to insane crazy. crazy. But uh, that's nothing to what he did the next year. In 1987, he jumped off the Eiffel Tower illegally. First photo, you'll see him bouncing, dangling. Second photo, you'll see uh, one of his friends starting to take him down. And the last photo, you'll see some very friendly French policemen <laughs> helping him take the bungee off. And if you remember, the police arrested him but had no idea what to do with him, so he was very quickly released. AJ <laughs> Hackett, man, you're crazy. Crazy, though, but breaking convention, crazy. 35 years on, and now people pay big money to have industrial strength rubber bands tied around their ankles and thrown off a bridge. And so, a couple of years ago, I overcame my fears, and I pushed my youngest son off the bridge. Because <laughs> I'm not crazy. So, just outside of uh, Queenstown, you might know the Carlisle Bridge, where AJ Hackett has his wonderful complex there. And, oh, it's such a Scottish Presbyterian thing to do, there was a, a half price for locals. Yeah. Yeah, read my lips. So half price, youngest son, push off the bridge. My son quite happily took his father's money. And with the biggest grin, happily, did the most unsane thing that I could think of. But I think you get my point. He did come to me late and said, that was the most terrifying thing. <laughs> never, said, never said that to his father, didn't want to lose face. How much like a, it's great, isn't it, to have these stories? But my point is, AJ Hackett is crazy, breaks convention. Is he crazy, cr insane? Of course he's not insane. <laughs> he's not insane, he just breaks convention. Is Jesus crazy? Well, if you mean insane, of course he's not. Is Jesus insane, or is Jesus crazy? breaks convention, very much so. We look at three brief ways in which Jesus, well, in my opinion, you could label as crazy, but what he was really doing was breaking convention. And the first thing we're going to look at uh, is actually choosing of Judas. Jesus, you're crazy. Why did you choose Judas? The paragraph before um, where Jesus' parents accused Jesus of being crazy, the paragraph before in Mark chapter 3, has Jesus on the mountain choosing his disciples? Guess who he chose last? Judas. And these are the words that um, uh, Mark, the gospel writer, uses to describe the choosing of Judas. Very last verse, 
uh, of that paragraph, and Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. Jesus, you're crazy. Why did you choose Judas to be a close follower when you knew he was going to betray you? Jesus was crazy, but he was crazy breaking convention, breaking our expectations on what Jesus should do. Well, the second example, the second example is, is when Jesus is before the Sanhedrin, when he's on trial. We see this in Mark chapter 14 and from verse 16. You'll be familiar with the story, Jesus on trial. Mark 14 verse 16. Then the high priest stood up before him and asked Jesus, are you not going to answer? What is this testimony that these men are bringing against you? But Jesus remained silent and gave no answer. Jesus, why didn't you answer those lies and false accusations? You're crazy. But he's crazy, breaking convention crazy. Third example, if we go to the cross. Third example, and on, on the cross... We read this, Mark 15 from verse 29. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, so you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and the teachers of the law mocked him among themselves, saying he saved others, but he can't save himself. Now in the Gospel of Matthew, we're told, that Jesus had available 12 legions of angels at his disposal that could come and take him from the cross. Jesus, why didn't you get those legions to come and rescue from the cross? You're crazy. Crazy breaking convention, though. Crazy breaking our expectations. So why? Why did Jesus have Judas in his midst? Why did he refuse to defend himself at his trial? And, and why didn't he get those legions to rescue him from the cross? And we'll, we can find the answer in Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 1, 27. God chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Listen to this. If there's one thing to take home today, let it be this. When Jesus was at his best, the world declared him crazy. When Jesus was at his best, the world thought he was mad, crazy, stupid. When he was on the cross, he had the choice of being on the cross. The world said, you are a fool. But on the cross, Jesus was at his best. At its best, by breaking conventions, our conventions, our expectation. God loves to choose the foolish things, the crazy, the non-conventional, the weak, to show his glory. So is Jesus crazy? If we mean he breaks convention to shame the wise, the worldly and the strong, then yes, Jesus is crazy. Is Jesus crazy if we mean he brings the foolish things, including you and I, into a personal saving relationship, then thank God, <laughs> praise God, that Jesus is crazy, that he breaks the expectations of the world and looks to be glorified among the weak. 
I want to finish this morning with a quote from C.S. Lewis. Do we know who C.S. Lewis is? The author of the Narnia series and some wonderful books about Christianity, including Mere Christianity. And this quote comes from Mere Christianity. And C.S. Lewis writes this to address the common claim that is within the church as well as outside the church. Sadly, it's, it, it, it's even, this claim is even found within the church. And that is some folk say that Jesus was just a good moral teacher. That he was an honest man who said wise things. But that's all. These people don't believe in his miracles. They don't believe in his resurrection. And they reject Jesus' claims to be God. They acknowledge him as good and kind and he said many helpful things, and he's at the level of Gandhi or Nelson Mandela. However, Lewis refutes any notion that Jesus was just a good teacher. And he writes this, I am trying here to prevent anyone saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. They say, I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say about Jesus. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic, mad, on the level of someone who claimed to be a poached egg, or else he would be the devil of hell. You must make your choice. Either this man was and is the son of God, or else a madman or something worse. You can shut him up as a fool. You can spit at him and kill him as a demon. You can fall at his feet and call him Lord and God. But let us not come with any patronising nonsense about his being, him being a good human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. Powerful words, aren't they? You see, there is no fourth option. You see, everyone here this morning will leave and pass through those doors believing one of three things. You have no fourth option. You will either believe that Jesus was insane. You will either believe that he was in league with the devil. Or you will believe that he is who he claimed to be, the son of God. There is no fourth option. He was either insane because he claimed to be God. He was either in league for the devil, because not only did he claim to be God, but he did many miracles, or he was who he said he was, the Son of God. Let me finish with that last quote again. C.S. Lewis said, either this man was and is the Son of God, or else a bad man, or something worse. You can shut him up for a fool, you can spit at him and kill him as a demon, or you can fall at his feet and call them Lord and God. What a wonderful quote. I, for one, choose to fall at the feet of Jesus and call him my Lord and God. Let's pray.